And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. We've got a couple of interesting topics to cover today that I'm kind of excited about. These are things that... Um, I kind of wonder, like, do these really warrant a full discussion? But they keep coming up in conversations that I have with clients. Um, and so I think it's worth um, discussing them. So we're going to talk about specifically the relationship between doctors and nutrition, specifically doctors dispensing nutritional advice, um, how much stock you should put into that. Um, and we'll kind of dig into uh, what, some of that, this, what some of that advice is, where it comes from, et cetera. And then we're also going to talk about digestive issues and troubleshooting those. So we can segment those out into several different categories, which we will do, and they all need to be handled a little bit differently. Um, so we're going to talk about that shortly, um, and uh, it, should be, it should be an interesting discussion. So thank you once again for joining me here. I'm Darren Starr, uh, your host and provocateur. I'm the uh, coach and owner here at Five Star Physique. And uh, I welcome your feedback and your input into the show. So we do have a call-in number, 865-518-2974. Make a note of it. Um, you can call in, leave a message. I'll play it on, uh, on a future episode, and we'll talk about it and respond there. So um, you can also go to thedropset.com. That number's posted there. You can um, check out uh, episode archives there if you're not going through a specific podcast player, which you should be. You can find this on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, although there have been technical issues with Google Podcasts, and I honestly think Google doesn't really give a crap about their uh, their podcast lineup, just because sometimes episodes just don't show up there. Sometimes they show up, but they don't play. Um, and the thing is, I don't do anything specific to submit it to Google. Like They get the same feed that gets spit out everywhere else also. Um, so they're just not... They have technical issues as far as how they're bringing things in. They don't seem to care about it, so... Um, if you're on an Android-based device, I would encourage you to check out a, a different app like uh, Stitcher, CastBox, something like that. So, at any rate, um, so for uh, the, the call-in number, 865-518-2974, you can call in, leave a message there. You can also reach out to me, um, send a message via Instagram at Darren underscore star. You can hit me up on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash five star physique, send a message there. Um, you can tweet at me directly at Darren star on Twitter. I'm being a lot more active on Twitter lately, and uh, I kind of like it kind of like it. So, uh, or you can also email me directly. You can go to fivestarphysique.com, click on contact and fill out the form, or just send your note directly to Darren, D-A-R-I-N, at five star with two R's, fitness.com. A little confusing there. Um, so, uh, we don't have a Q&A for this week, however. So, um, a little uh, weekly recap for me. Um, so, let's see. Today is Friday the 9th. So last week um, uh, on on Monday, um, we kind of delved into well last week on Friday was kind of like the, uh, the the clearing of the air, so to speak, and going over the issues that I had on Wednesday and Thursday. And I've been pr back on it since uh, since then. So things have been do going pretty well. Um, weights dropping like a stone. So since you know I, I put on a few pounds there because of my uh, indiscretions on Wednesday and Thursday, and we talked about those um, in the last episode on Monday. Uh, and uh, so it spiked up a little bit. I've come down about 10 pounds since then. So I'm sitting at around 195 today, being the ninth. I'm six days out. 
uh, I shot off a uh, an email confirmation to the photographer just to make sure, like, hey, we're good. Uh, that was yesterday. I haven't heard back from him yet, so I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> this better happen. Otherwise, I'm just going to show up to the gym with my iPhone and just start taking selfies and call it good. Um, that would be really, really depressing if it comes to that. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure he's good for it. So um, it, it's been a pretty uh, pretty solid week. So um, my uh, coach is uh, we're we're. We made a little bit of a push at the start of the week um, just to kind of, you know, bring me back down to where I needed to be. So it was a lot of cardio, close to an hour and a half a day for a few days. Carbs were down, no high carb day. So I was definitely feeling it there. And then we came out of that. We did a little bit of a carb up. Um, not a big one, but, you know, enough. And of course, you know, what typically happens after a carb up, um, if your body's kind of like running all cil- on all cylinders, you have a very highly functioning metabolism, which, you know, mine is reasonably functioning at least. Um, Usually after you get some carbs, your appetite just goes through the roof. And so on my high carb day, which, you know, I'd been, I'd been sitting at about 130. Um, and then that day it bumped up to about 230 roughly. Uh, and so for a little bit, I'm like, Ooh, that felt nice. That was good. Um, and then going to bed, it's like starving. Like I woke up several times just cause my stomach was growling and it's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty typical. You carb up and then it kind of reminds your body like, Oh yeah, this is what it's like to eat. So now we want more of that. Um, which (laughs) can be dangerous. So you got to exercise a little bit of self-control. Uh, so I've, I'm in the stage now, speaking of self-control where I feel pretty good about it. So I am going through and I'm doing a little bit of shopping right now and collecting some post photo shoot treats um, just because I'm, I'm very picky. I don't want to go off the deep end. So I'm not like filling up a shopping cart, but just like this here, this from there, this from over here. I'm making plans for what to have on Thursday night. Uh, I told my wife, let's go out for a brunch on the weekend just because I haven't been able to do that in about four months. So um, part of it's just, you know, a little bit of a return to normalcy, which would be nice. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, workouts have been decent this week, just absolutely fatigued and drained, <laughs> ready, ready to be done. My body's like, screw you, man. We don't like you right now. So the cardio is coming back down. I had my last leg day on Wednesday. Um, might do a little bit of a carb up um, tomorrow, a little one. I'm uh, coach said, yeah, maybe we'll see. So she wants, uh, you know, I had to send over posing video today. We'll do another one tomorrow, and so she's really kind of micromanaging the process at this point, which is cool. So tomorrow, tomorrow will be five days out. So we will see what we see. Um, but it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride. Um, what uh, what else has been going on? So um, I've been just really really busy creating stuff. I've been a lot more active on social media, um, trying to put up some varied content. I actually, I, I don't know if I talked about this on Monday. I built myself a calendar um, for social media, which is common for businesses because what it does is it kind of keeps me from, you know, posting too much of the same stuff like consecutively. So I kind of break it up a little bit and also ensure like, oh, you know what? I haven't posted about this in forever. Uh, and so now uh, there, there's kind of like a, a weekly rotation for, uh, you know, what kind of things I talk about. And then there's just a brainstorming session like, okay, what is this individual post going to be about? And then I do a little planning and forethought. So it's less flying by the seat of my pants. And uh, it, it's, you know, it makes for makes for higher quality and more interesting content, I think. been doing a lot of writing. I've got a blog post going up tomorrow. So I will preview all this stuff for you guys here. Um just because uh, I, I like you guys, and I, th- I thank you all for listening. I'm getting more and more random messages um, all the time about, uh, you know, just from people who are listening, and uh, I really appreciate it. And you know what? I forgot. I did get a, uh, a message um, that came in through the website. Um, this is from Jason, um, and so he had a question like, 
creatine on you know a cut or or lifestyle prep and he said i've not used creatine in a while and i'm starting a cut should i take should i start taking it again any thoughts would be helpful and so jason um the thing about creatine is creatine is one of those supplements that has pretty irrefutable evidence that it actually works and does what it says it's supposed to and the the interesting thing beyond that is it is cheap as hell. Like you could buy a 55 gallon drum of that crap for next to nothing. And that's just like creatine monohydrate, just the basic stuff. Um, now one thing about that, the mechanism through which it works is through, um, intracellular water retention. So, um, it helps volumize the muscle cells a little bit. So your brain develops a better connection with the working muscle, which helps you realize a small increase in strength or output. Now it is small. It's not going to take your bench from 200 up to 250 or anything like that. Um, and for some people, um, it, de- it depends on what you're trying to do, what phase you're in, so and, and how uh, mentally resilient you are, because it will likely um, result, um, not for all body types, but for most, it will result in a little bit of a scale bump. Um, so as long as you go into it expecting that and know it, I mean, sure. you know. And then it's one of those things where once you get close to the end of your cut, you'll pull that out. Um, within like, you know, a week or two, um, just so, because you don't want to be retaining any water once you peak for whatever it is you're peaking for. So, um, in short, yeah, I mean, it's so cheap. Why not? And then there are also options there. Like instead of creatine monohydrate, you could use crealkaline, which is pricier for sure. It gives you the same benefits of creatine, but without the water retention. So it works through a slightly different mechanism. So you've got options there. Um, so a creatine type product Again, it's one of the few things that is universally uh, agreed. I'm sure there's some conflicting study out there that says it's BS, but whatever. Um, (laughs) As long as most people have uh, the same idea on something, I'm going to go with the consensus there. Um, So it's, it's basically universally agreed upon that it actually does what it says it's supposed to. So food for thought on that. Um, I can't give it a strong recommendation just because the benefit that you get from it is not huge, but it's some benefit. And if you're looking for, you know, every last little thing you can, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. So, um, okay. What was I doing here? Oh yeah. So I've been, I've been writing a lot. So I, uh, came over here oh, as I'm browsing through the computer to be like, what am I writing about? So I've got a blog post going up tomorrow. Um, this is a review, a product review, and I'll be doing more of these. And I would be curious to hear if you have thoughts on other products you would like um, to have reviewed. So let me know. I've got a few lined up. Um, but if there's something good that really strikes my eye, you might jump the line. So I'm open to suggestions on product reviews. So this is for the Isopack from Isolator Fitness. It's my meal prep gym bag slash backpack. Um, so I, I wrote a really, really comprehensive review. And this is one of those things also. So all of this stuff is unbiased. This was not a solicited review. I bought the thing because I did the research. I'm like, this is the thing that I want. Um, and so I've, I've had it for a little while. I've taken it on uh, a few different trips under different scenarios, used it in a lot of different ways. And I have a, a pretty, pretty established opinion on how effective it is for what I need. So um, the review goes into... Um, 
how I'm using it, which is a little non-standard. Um, what features are important to me? There's a couple complaints that I have about it. Um, so that'll be up tomorrow. So if you go to fivestarphysique.com, click on blog. I think it's going up at about 8 o'clock. Um, so after that, you can click on that and read it, and that'll go out through social media as well. So if you're following me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Pinterest, you will, uh, you'll see a post about it there, and you can click over and read the whole thing. Um, I've been working on a, a few different blog posts as well. So these are things that are kind of in the works just to give you a little preview. Um, uh, ways to uh, attack your cardio a little bit more effectively. Um, I'm writing up a manifesto, which this uh, I started writing, and I'm like, holy crap, this is going to be huge. Um, it's a beginner's guide to macronutrients and flexible dieting, starting from what is protein, what is a carb, what is a fat, um, down to how do we calculate this stuff and add it up and, and make sure that everything's correct and accurate, and then get it into some guidelines as well. So That'll be something where, you know, you'll, you'll want to, it'll be a post that's long enough that you want to save that for when you've got some time to really go over it. But if you've been hesitant about um, starting your flexible dieting lifestyle and not really sure where to start, this post will take you from how you start all the way through how you get to, to mastery level. Um, let's see, what else? Um got a few others but they're still in the uh, still in the early nugget stage so I am I am putting one together that's that's kind of fun and I'll post this after uh, after my prep has concluded and it's gonna be my prep by the numbers so if you have been following along you know that I keep really really meticulous records on things um, so I've been tracking all of my cardio calories burned macros taken in and so I've got some interesting numbers like <laughs> well uh, I'll spare you the details for right now, but let me just throw that out as a little bit of a teaser. So um, you can break down and see exactly what I've been doing over time. And once you look at the numbers, it's kind of like, wow, that's what goes into a prep. Okay, interesting. So um, it, uh, it'll, it'll be a fun one. So that'll, that'll go up. Uh, that may go up next week. Um, I just need to conclude everything so that I have the final numbers so that I know how much cardio I've done so that I know how many total calories I've eaten throughout all of prep versus how many I've burned through cardio, those kind of things. And, and some other little nuggets too that are, that are interesting. And um, some things had to be kind of inferred from the data a little bit, but I think you'll find it, I think you'll find it very interesting. So, um, all right, so uh, let's, uh, let's, let's break into it here. Um, but first, uh, just a quick note. So as I mentioned before, um, I, I have labeled Five Star Physique, the official sponsor of the drop set. So, uh, Five Star Physique, that's me. That is my company. I know it's kind of weird, um, but I do online coaching, uh, whether it's for contest prep, lifestyle transformation. Um, so, whether your your goal is to compete or not compete, ultimately it doesn't matter to me. I treat everybody the same. It's just you know what are we working towards? What is the goal? We need to define some kind of a goal, but um, I don't really care what it is. And I know a lot of people are are hesitant. Like if they don't want to compete, they're hesitant to work with somebody who calls themselves a prep coach because they don't want to be pushed in that direction. That's the last thing I want to do. Like if you don't want to compete, don't do it. Your heart's got to be in it. And I'm going to be the last guy standing behind you, twisting your arm, telling you to get up on stage. So, um, I also have, um, workout plans available up there. So these are just standalone workout plans. Somebody asked like, do these come with a nutritional component? No, not at all. It's just your, your 
workout plan for the gym exclusively, but it's comprehensive. It's thorough. Um, if you go to fivestarphysique.com and click on workout plans, you'll see the whole selection of them up there. Um, and they're, they're tailored for specific things or designed to you know, emphasize specific body parts or some are a little lower volume, some are a little higher volume, some are more for beginners, some are very advanced. Um, so you can find something for, for all needs. There's a strength-based program up there as well, as opposed to most of the rest of them, which are, are straight high hypertrophy. Um, and there is a, a promo code up there. So, um, you can use the, the promo code drop set, all one word, um, and save 20% off of any workout plan up on that site. Um, that'll be active. Um, I put it, uh, put it up there last week, I think, and, uh, I'm going to keep that active for a little bit longer. So if you have questions on anything, of course, you can hit me up through all the usual channels and I'll be happy to answer any questions. If you're looking for a recommendation, like, Hey, what plan do you think is best for me? I'll have a few questions for you and we'll hash it out and I can make a recommendation from there. So, um, let's take a, a very short break here and then we will come back and talk about doctors and nutrition. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. All right, so doctors and nutrition. A couple of notes right off the bat. First of all, I'm going to do my damnedest not to get really conspiratorial on this topic. I think there is a, a very... Uh, it's a very easy path to go down when you start this conversation. I'm going to try and keep it grounded in reality and um, interject just uh, the smallest little bit of opinion, perhaps. And I'll try and disclose that when it happens. Um, and the other thing is everything that I'm saying here, um, and this is true of every episode, um, everything's to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, first of all, your doctor makes a medical recommendation. You do not listen to me over him or her. That's all there is to it. But the, the idea behind this is to give you a little bit of information about where some of those recommendations might be coming from and to encourage you to um, ask follow-up questions and push back a little bit. Ask why. Why are you recommending this, et cetera. So that's my goal with this. So um, let, let's see. First of all, um, so that... That is what I call the cover your ass disclaimer. So um, don't listen, to, uh, don't just listen to me and say, well, my doctor said this, but Darren said this, so I'm going to do what Darren said. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's intended to be a starting point for a conversation that you have with your physician. So I um, just want to be very, very clear on that. So um, doctors, you know, they, um, they offer very generic advice when it comes to nutrition. So the question is, well, why is it so generic? And, you know, this comes with conversations that I had with a, um, oh, what, it was my ex-girlfriend's brother who was a general practice physician. Um, and he was asking me questions about nutrition and diet um, because he said, you know way more about this stuff than I do. It is not part of our education. Um, so he said, like, we had like, you know, um, a few days or like maybe a week in one class where they talked about diet and nutrition and that was it. And it did, he said it never really got any deeper than just eat healthy. He said that was, that was about the level of depth that they got. And so that's where a lot of the generic advice that you get from your doctor comes from. It's just, you know, you need to work on your diet. You need a more balanced diet. You need to eat healthier. You need to make better 
better choices. Sometimes they get really specific and say, you need to cut out sugary drinks, you know, reduce your added sugar. So they're not really going out on a limb with really creative and, uh, and, and uh, insightful solutions. They're really just common sense. Now understanding, yes, these are general practice physicians. They're not registered dietitians. Uh, so you have to just understand the level of experience that your physician is coming from when it comes to nutrition. They have all kinds of things that they are good at. Um, nutritional advice is typically not one of them. And uh, it's been my experience also that, you know, because physicians have to uh, do continuing education and there aren't a lot of nutritional based continuing education courses um, for physicians. So you might find some that uh, a physician who has really a, a vested interest in knowing more and maybe a little bit more educated, but when that happens, they will speak more intelligently about it and they will talk more specifically about it as well. So you'll be able to recognize those people pretty easily. Um, so uh, as far as what doctors do know about nutrition, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the USDA guidelines, um, just because that's what comes from the government. So when you're talking about a, uh, a, a licensed profession, you're looking at you know something that's coming from government-established guidelines. So it comes from the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, so if you read those guidelines, and I have the PDF of them here, um, this is the 2015 to 2020 Dietary Guidelines. It's a 10-megabyte PDF. If I open it up here... It is, how many pages is this monster? It's pretty big. Um, I noted the, the pages that I was concerned about are pages 80 and 81 because that's a table of what they actually recommend. So there's a lot of stuff about, you know, philosophically, what are we trying to do here, et cetera. Um, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not impressed overall, <laughs> but um, the, uh, the, the purpose that they say of these guidelines um, so like big picture, 30,000 foot view, we're establishing these guidelines. Why is that? Well, it's to maintain a healthy weight. So first of all, um, you've done a terrible job, USDA, cause it ain't happening in this country. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, the, the guidelines are not terrible. Um, they're also not terribly specific. And one of the biggest things that I have, uh, one of the biggest complaints I have about this is this is where, uh, spoiler alert, I start to get a little conspiratorial, um, but it, it's also true. Um, the extent to which it's true is, is up for some debate, and I don't have the, the figures in front of me, but um, food lobbies pay a lot of money to have their, uh, their products recommended in these guidelines. So um, you can buy your way into these dietary guidelines, and that happens. That has happened for decades and decades and will continue to happen for decades in the future. I don't think it's going to take a lot of convincing to tell people that um, American politics and the political system is corrupt. Um, you know, Everybody knows that lobbyists control a lot of it. <laughs> they, they have all the power. They wield all the influence, and so it's not surprising that they find their way uh, into this as well. So um, that is where you get guidelines where like on uh, what is it pages 80 and 81 so let me just scroll down to pages 80 and 81 I took some notes here but I think it would also be useful just to uh, I don't have a scroll bar hmm 
Oh, it's going side to side. That's not helpful. Um, I'm used to it scrolling up and down, not side to side. Um, okay, so let's blow this up a little bit. So yeah, page 80 here. So it breaks it down into table. So um, so recommended amounts of food from each food group at 12 calorie levels. And so these go in 200 calorie increments, starting with if, if you're eating 1,000 calories a day, all the way up to if you're eating 3,200 calories a day. Um, so, and the, the categories, they've got vegetables and then they break it down, dark green, red and orange vegetables. So apparently red and orange vegetables, if you're having, um, 2000 calories a day, you're supposed to get five and a half cups a week of red and orange vegetables, um, legumes, starchy vegetables, um, other vegetables, fruits, grains. Um, so grains, um, you're supposed to be getting, uh, again, all the numbers that I'm going to quote here for a standard 2000 calorie per day diet. It's kind of middle of the road here. Um, six ounces of grains per day. Hmm. I didn't think that grains were really essential for human life, but okay, whatever. Um, Dairy, once again, not really sure how essential that is. Um, three cups of dairy a day. What? That's a lot. Um, protein food. So they say five and a half ounces per day. Um, oils, 27 grams, which works out, works out to about two tablespoons. Um, I mean, you know, it's not, not unreasonable. I just question the, uh, you know, the grain industry and the dairy industry. Um, th these are holdovers. And I think we can do without having them. I mean, there, there's nothing inherently wrong with them, um, but there's nothing essential about them either. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people would do better if they eliminated or certainly restricted that significantly. Um, so I, I, I question, you know, that this is what physicians are recommending as far as, um, you know, when you eat a healthy diet, this is what they have in mind. And they don't know these numbers off the top of their heads, I'm sure. Uh, but nonetheless, this is uh, where those recommendations are coming from. So if you, if you pull up this PDF and you can see what it is, you can look through here. You know, it is very heavy on veggies. Okay, well, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it says, uh, what, about two, what, two and a half cups a day of veggies. That's cool. That's not too dissimilar from um, the kind of thing uh, that I would write for somebody um, on a meal plan. You know, two, three cups of veggies a day, something like that. That's perfect. Um, and, and one other thing that they encourage here is that, you know, they break them down by color a little bit. Um, legumes and beans and peas. I mean, again, that's, it is technically a vegetable, but now um, you're, you're also, I, I think if you follow these, uh, if, if you follow these serving breakdowns accurately um, for, for 2000 calories, I question if the math is going to add up. Like, can you get all that stuff in and still have it be 2000 calories? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. I didn't run the numbers on that. Um, starchy vegetables as well. Um, so those are things like, you know, root vegetables, corn, and then others. Um, so other vegetables, four cups a week, um, five cups of starchy vegetables a week. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a bit, but you know, when you think veggies, we're not just talking about broccoli. It's a much larger category than that. Um, so fruits, two cups a day, uh, grains, six ounces a day, dairy, three cups a day, protein foods, five and a half ounces a day. They say seafood, um, eight ounces a week. No, thank you. Uh, Meats, poultry, and eggs, 26 ounces a week. Um, nuts and seeds are um, classified as a, a protein here just because the only uh, category they have for fats exclusively is under oils. So 
and then uh, limit on calories for other uses. Um, so 14% of your calories are discretionary there, and that's that's pretty consistent across the board. It's, it's that percentage is as low as 8% at some of the lower intake levels, and as high as 19 on the high end. So, um, so those are the guidelines. That's what uh, physicians are recommending. So when they say eat a healthy diet, they're thinking this specifically. Of course. Um, they're not getting into food sensitivities, food intolerances, um, digestive issues related to certain foods, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Um, and you know, they, they may not know it. So if you went to this, then you could certainly have, you could certainly start taking in something that you have a sensitivity to and end up worse than you were before. So, uh, you know, uh, point being, if you're, if you're looking for dietary advice, like legit dietary advice, um, don't go to a physician. You need, need to go to an RD, realistically. Um, and I, I don't include, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say that you need to come to me either. So, you know, a- again, this, these are for people that are, you know, experiencing food-related health issues, and that includes obesity. So um, it is not, these guidelines are not really, <laughs> much like everything in life, not really designed for the bodybuilding population, which should not be a surprise. So, of course, if you get guidelines from me, they're going to look quite a lot, quite a bit different from this. Um, just because we have a specific goal, we want to remain healthy at the same time. Um, that's a topic for a future discussion as well, like balancing bodybuilding and health. I need to actually make a note of that. I had that thought the other day, and I forgot to actually write it down. Um, so I'm going to do that really quick here. Balancing... B, B, and health. I need to, that's got to be a future topic. Just because this is something that really does kind of encourage people to push themselves in unhealthy ways. So, um, so, uh, I totally lost my train of thought there, but you know, the, the idea being that when it comes down to it, your physician is going to give you very generic advice to improve your overall health. Um, but also they are, they are relying on a lot of outdated, stuff just because a lot of them, you know, if they went to medical school 20, 30, 40 years ago and they haven't followed up on continuing ed, um, then they're still going to tell you that saturated fats are the devil. They're still going to tell you that dietary cholesterol and blood cholesterol are directly related. And all of the research lately um, will tell you that those things are not the case. Um, Or at least there is a heavy degree of conflicting information on that. And it's hardly a settled issue at this point. So, um, Keep in mind who the source is, where are you getting this stuff from? And if you take nothing else away from this, when you go to a doctor and they tell you about your diet, push back and ask questions. You don't have to be confrontational about it, but ask for specifics and see if they can provide them. And maybe they can, and that's great. Maybe they can provide you with some reasoning as well. Um, Most often, I would be surprised if that were the case. So you can consider this more of just like a a cautionary tale. I wanted to inform you on where they're getting their information from, uh, how much stock you should put into it, and just encourage you to push back, ask some questions, probe a little bit deeper before just following their recommendations point blank and saying, all right, well, I guess I can't be a bodybuilder anymore because they're telling me I have to have all this crap and my body composition is going to go to hell, blah, blah, blah. This is designed for you know, uh, maintaining a healthy weight. And part of bodybuilding is not necessarily always maintaining a healthy weight. It doesn't encourage us to venture into um, categories that would be technically labeled as unhealthy. So, um, and their, their gauge for that is uh, BMI, 
which for bodybuilders, BMI is useless. Um, and actually, if you want to really get into it on an individual level, BMI is a useless statistic. It is a statistic that was created for study of populations where, yes, over the course, over the, the um, sample size of an entire population of people, it will be distilled down and relatively accurate. So you can say this population tends to be average, obese, underweight, et cetera, whatever it is. Um, but all it is, it's a calculation of height and weight. So when you weigh, when you're this tall, this is how much you should weigh to to be you know in one of these ranges, and it does not factor in uh, body composition at all. So when you um, when you balance that out over a large sample size, over a population, over a city, a county, a state, a country, um, the the bodybuilders in the mix um, who are really the people that throw off the BMI calculation, you're going to get diluted down to nothing, basically, statistically speaking. So then, yes, it, it is a, a, an appropriate statistic for studying the, uh, the, the trends, uh, of a population, but on an individual basis, you know, if somebody says, Oh, your BMI is this, you really need to work on that. I'm like, screw you, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, my BMI says I'm, I'm obese. Most of the time, I think right now it says I'm probably just a little overweight. Um, cause I think at six foot, they want me to be about 175, 180 pounds. And I'm 195 and that's, that's the lightest I've been in years. Um, so when I, when I get up to 220, 225, then I'm definitely obese. Um, but again, it doesn't factor body, body, uh, composition into the equation at all. So worth noting, you know, a lot of medical stuff, some of the very, very basic medical stuff does not necessarily apply to the bodybuilding population in the same way. Um, the dietary guidelines being one of those BMI being another one. So, um, don't be afraid to have a little pushback on that, have that conversation with your phys physician. But once again, um, do not take my word over theirs. I just want to inform you so you can have a more productive conversation with them about this the next time it comes up. Okay, so let's do this. Let's talk digestion and see what we can break down as far as, you know, the, the ways in which your digestive system can give you the big old middle finger and what you can do about it. So I've broken this down into four categories. I don't uh, assume that this is going to be comprehensive, but uh, they're, they're the big four as far as I'm concerned. Um, and not all of them are necessarily directly related to digestion, but I, I put them in here just because uh, oftentimes we with the vocabulary that we use, um, we can talk about something that seems to be a problem with the digestive tract and it's actually a problem with something else. So, um, and actually there is uh, one more thing that I wanted to add to that list that I just remembered right here. All right, cool. So, um, let's start with the two, two of the basics. So, um, polar, polar opposites of the spectrum here, constipation and diarrhea. Did I mention that this is going to be a really fun conversation? Yeah. So, uh, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> get, get ready for it. Strap yourself in. So, um, constipation. So stopped up bowels, not able to go very uncomfortable. Our, uh, our little 17 year old Lhasa Apso Shih Tzu mix was, uh, suffering from this recently, but you know, uh, she can't just tell us like, Oh man, I got to poop really bad. Um, so instead what she would do is just yap. And she is like completely nonverbal at this stage. Like she walks around, she kind of limps around, she falls down all the time. She's mostly blind, she's mostly deaf, so she doesn't bark at all. So when she does, it's like, what? Um, several months ago, she barked for like the first time in probably a year and a half or so. Um, it was because she was stuck, and she'd been stuck in a place for an hour and a half in the middle of the night, and if she could just back up, she would have been fine, but she doesn't have a reverse gear anymore, so <laughs> she need to, needed to get up and pull her out. Um, 
So uh, several weeks ago, she she yapped once. I'm like, what's that? And she, I can see she's kind of turning her head around and looking back at her backside. I'm like that's kind of weird. Okay. And then uh, you know, 30 minutes pass, she does it again, and it gets more and more frequent, more and more frequent. And uh, it turns out, you know, there were, there were a couple of issues, but the primary one was she was constipated. Poor little thing needed an enema. Um, so, uh, it, it, uh, it can be really uncomfortable. It can be really painful. It can also just be really frustrating at times too. It depends on the degree to which you are backed up. So, um, most common causes of this. So, uh, a, a, a couple of things to consider here and we'll, we'll talk about, um, diarrhea in much the same way. So <laughs> rather than, you know, not being, uh, not being able to go, it's like, can't stop. Basically. I think we, we all have a pretty good handle on what diarrhea is. So I'm not going to go into detail trying to just dis- dis- describe it or explain it. You're welcome. Um, so for, for constipation, a, a, a few things come into play here. First of all, lack of dietary fiber. Uh, you need fiber to um, help bind things together and help uh, help it move through the gut. Um, and without that, things just don't move. Things get stuck. Things get backed up. So um, especially if you are low carb or depending on your carb sources, if they are devoid of fiber, like for me right now, I get in some veggies, um, not a whole lot, but I add about, you know, a handful, probably about half to two thirds of a cup, um, through five meals a day. Um, and it's, it's celery, peppers and onions. So they're not super high in fiber, but there's some in there. So I get a little bit from that. And then I have, um, some berries that I add to a couple meals as well, blueberries and uh, raspberries. And they actually have a reasonable amount of fiber. I'm using small servings there. So that does not add up to a whole lot. Um, and the rest of my carbs that I bring in are cream of rice, um, which I absolutely love. It is awesome. But for as carb uh, heavy as it is, it has zero fiber content, none at all. So there's none of that binding material in there. So um, what I've taken to do just because I was experiencing some of this a while back is I just started adding um, some Metamucil. Um, And there there are a lot of different fiber supplement products that you can find. Um, This one works well for me because I need to get water intake in anyway. And so I mix, um, 10 grams of fiber from this stuff in with 16 ounces of water. Great. I'm taking that twice a day right now and it, it works well. Um, the other thing that, uh, could cause this. Well, a couple of other things. Um, first of all, there, there are a lot of things. I'm going to give you uh, the, the two most common ones and then another one as well. Um, so lack of fiber, also, um, lack of fluid. So, you know, to, to create, uh, a, a <laughs> What's the right vocabulary that I want to what I want to use here? Huh, the moment of truth for the podcast is about to arise here. Um, do I want to get technical cuz I hate that word and I don't want to use that or do I want to be humorous about it? Yeah. The technical word is bolus, which I hate. It's just a stupid word. Um it's kind of like the M word, which I refuse to say. It's just a gross, disgusting word. Um, so anyway, to, to in order for your body to produce a piece of solid waste that has to move through your system, there has to be, I mean, it can't just be like, you know, totally solid food. It's got to have um, a, a binding agent. It's got to have fiber. There's got to be a little bit of moisture content as well. Um, and yes, that was that was the derivative of the M word. Um, if you if you throw the suffix on the end of it, moisture, I can handle that. The root word itself, no, I can't. I'm one of those people. So, um, my wife knows that, and she 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 plays on that weakness quite a bit. 
Um, so you've got to have some fluid um, in your stomach and in the gut in order to help bind things together and get it moving through your body. So if you're severely dehydrated, that's another thing that can cause some constipation. So people that um, are really, really consistently low on their water intake while they're eating a lot, they're going to have some issues here as well. Dietary fiber, if you're low in that, that's going to cause issues as well. The other thing, and I found this out because I um, I was experiencing some heartburn pretty, pretty substantially, and I couldn't figure out why. I've since figured it out. I have a little bit of a sensitivity apparently to tomatoes and specifically salsa, um, which is how I was getting them in. So uh, I, I was, you know, because I, I add that to like three meals a day and it took a little bit of doing, but I finally figured out like, man, it's after I have one of those meals, it's when my heartburn really flares up. And so I was taking um, either like a, a Tums or an, uh, an Alka-Seltzer. And um, what I found is um, Alka-Seltzer has these, uh, these chewables that... Um, I got to tell you, you close your eyes and you chew down on it and it's like a Tootsie Roll with a slightly harder outer coating. Um, and I'm like, oh God, I could see myself getting into trouble with these. And I did. <laughs> and so um, the thing is, those are um, largely just, they're, they're calcium chews. And if you overdo it on those, one of the side effects of that is constipation as well. Um, so ultimately, I think for, for me, and this is often the case when you're dealing with something digestive, you're usually not going to find just a, sil a single silver bullet. It's going to be a combination of factors. So um, you're, you're not going to eliminate one thing and be like, oh, great, now everything's perfect. There's usually a couple things at play. And so for me, it was overdoing it on those, and it was also a lack of dietary fiber. So once I brought in the Metamucil supplement and I, I actually took those and threw them in the trash <laughs> and uh, cut way, way back on the salsa, I now just use it one meal and in a much smaller serving right now. Um, everything's better. And part of that, because that never really used to bother me. But uh, the, the issue with that is the longer you prep, your body tends to get a little bit more sensitive to certain things. Um, and so these sensitivities can develop that didn't used to be there, which makes it difficult to troubleshoot digestive issues because you're like, this has always been fine. And now something is not fine. So clearly you've got an issue with something you need to ferret it out and figure out what it is. So um, constipation in a nutshell. There you go. So diarrhea, the most common cause of diarrhea is some kind of a stomach bug or a virus. So there's not much that you can do about that except just deal with it and wait it out. Um, it can also be caused by um, a food sensitivity. Um, so one thing that I know um, really, really uh, hit me hard. Um, I feel like I'm getting way too personal here. This was a couple years ago. Um, I was working with a coach at the time and he was like, he was Captain fucking Egg Whites. <laughs> it's like... Two cups a day for breakfast, two cups a day at night. I'm like, whoo, man. Um, so four, four cups daily total. And at, at night especially, I'm like, I... You know, I don't want. I don't want to go to bed. I'm like, can I do a substitution? He's like, nope. You got to do that. So yeah, that relationship lasted about six weeks, I think. And then I'm like, screw this. You know, it's like there's something magical about having egg whites at night. Like you can't have anything else. That's the only thing. I think realistically, he was just testing me. Like, can this doofus actually follow a plan? I'm like, I can. I don't want to. I don't want to follow this stupid plan, jackass. Um, so. Four cups a day there. And at night, I'm like, God, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to cook these up. I'm just going to drink them. So um, what I found is that my body, oh, man, no, it did not like that at all. So um, major, major um, uh, diarrhea cause from that. And so, you know, that's not universal. Not everybody experiences that. You know, your your gut, your digestive tract, your, you know, uh, uh, 
gut bacteria that you have um, in there, different for everybody. So everybody's going to respond to these foods a little bit differently, but there are going to be some certain trigger things that set you over the edge. Now, one other thing on the egg whites, because I know I'll get some feedback on this. Yes, I know there is a study out there and uh, it's well-researched and it's well-backed saying that um, for uh, egg whites out of a carton, pasteurized egg whites, um, your protein absorption rate on those is very, very low unless they are cooked. And it's because of the pasteurization process. So if you're breaking eggs and splitting out the yolk um, from the white and drinking that, not an issue. Um, but if you are, and I know some people are out there like, good God, would he stop talking about this? This is disgusting. I'm like, well, you know, you saw Rocky, right? Come on, suck it up. Deal with it. Uh, but pasteurized egg whites, specifically, there's something about the pasteurization process um, where the the product then needs to be reheated and, re- and, and cooked up in order for that protein to be absorbed at what would be considered a normal rate. So think, think about that when you're trying to balance your food selection with convenience there. Um, so uh, an, another thing, and this, this is something that comes up frequently, and this is fullness stomach fullness. Um, and, and a lot of people, I, I think, especially like deeper in prep, one thing I've noticed is that, um, as this prep goes along, the deeper into it I get, um, I have, I find that the way that my stomach feels has an outsized effect on how I feel about my body as a whole. Like if my digestion is, is feeling fine and things are good, things feel relatively tight there, I feel better about everything. If my stomach is a little distended or I feel like it's, it's bloated or not responding well or things are backed up, um, I tend to think more negatively about my body as a whole as well. So I think that's probably fairly common. We do tend to overly fixate on it, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it is good to recognize that and say, you know what, my stomach can be a little off right now in the short term if it's an acute problem or if if it's an, it's an acute reaction to something, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's impacting my entire body. Now, if it's always upset and always um, on edge, then yeah, that's going to have a long-term impact. So, um, but fullness is one thing. And a lot of people, you know, they, they I, I think they, they kind of miss the forest for the trees. So when you eat, what are you doing? Well, you're ingesting food and then that food sits in your stomach for a little while. And it can take, you know, one and a half to three hours for it to empty out of your stomach. During that time, it is full. So your stomach, you know, will expand if necessary to accommodate the food volume. Um, and so you're going to get some stomach distension, some distension, distension in the abdomen in the midsection that comes from that. And that's not necessarily a problem. That's a very direct cause and effect of eating. Um, and so a lot of people will say, you know, I feel really bloated after I eat. And then I've got to take a step back and say, okay, now do you, or is your stomach just full? Because there's a big difference in there. One of those is 100% expected. One of them is not. So that being the case, having, having just touched on, on the concept of fullness briefly, let's talk about bloating. Um, so bloating is where there's an outsized impact on stomach distension, um, that has some kind of relationship to food intake. Um, Time to wrap it up. The word just closing thoughts. Fluids and fluid retention. But usually my experience has been that bloating is is often gas related or it's related to a backup of solid food waste. So this could also be related to minor or acute constipation as well. When things just aren't moving out of the system, um, that that stomach fullness, that intestinal fullness is going to be there. um, And it's going to feel, you know, it's going to, you're going to have that bloated feeling. So this is, um, 
almost always acutely caused by food selection. So the, the key things that I look for here in this order are, are you overdoing it on artificial sweeteners? Some people are really, really sensitive to artificial sweeteners. So these, these would be things like um, zero-calorie diet drinks, um, including like Monsters, sugar-free Red Bulls, that kind of stuff. Um, flavor additives for water, um, Mio drops or things like that, crystal light packets. Um, anything that says sugar-free. So sugar alcohols would go into this equation as well. Um, your protein powder, the natural sweetener in that, the sweetener in your BCAAs, in your pre-workout. So if you have a sensitivity to artificial sweeteners, you're going to potentially be looking at cutting out a lot of things in order to root out the problem and see what it is. And for some people, uh, they just need to reduce what they're taking in. I find that you know my body actually can get away with a lot um, of artificial sweeteners. And if I dial it back, I don't necessarily notice too much of a change. Like things still feel relatively normal. Um, so uh, one, one other note on that. So this would also include things like uh, Walden Farms products. Um, a note. So I was, I was really desperate just to try something. Uh, <laughs> just I'm like, God, I need a little bit of variety in my diet here. So I found this um, at uh, Publix. They had this Walden Farms whipped peanut spread, which is, you know, kind of makes you think like, oh, this might be like peanut butter or something like that. I got to tell you, it was the most fucking disgusting thing I've ever tasted in my life. It was nasty as hell. Um, and I had like one little spoon of it and I wanted to spit it out. But at the same time, I'm like, well, it's still food and it's zero calories. So whatever. And then I threw the rest of the jar away. I mean, it was so nasty. If anybody else has tried that, first of all, my condolences, but I'd be curious to know if you had a similar reaction. Um, is there anybody out there that likes that that's tried it and likes it? Because if so, you might actually need some psychiatric help. It is disgusting, nasty, end of tangent. So the, the main things that I'm looking for, for people that are experiencing, you know, this, this bloating sensation or, or this gas buildup, um, from, from an acute reaction to food. So artificial sweeteners. And then I'd be looking, actually, the next thing I'm going to look at are veggies. Um, because a lot of people have um, very interesting and very different and just wildly varied um, reactions to certain vegetables. And uh, strangely enough, the ones that seem to cause the most issues with people are the cruciferous veggies that are like the bodybuilding staples. Broccoli, also cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale. Um, a lot of people have a tough time digesting those, and one of the uh, one of the effects of that is this buildup of gas, this bloating sensation. So um, I would look at replacing vegetables with things like um, I, I wouldn't even go onions and peppers because um, my my system tolerates those very well, but that's not true for um, everybody. A lot of people experience some issues with those also. Um, but like celery, cucumbers, mushrooms, tomatoes. I know those aren't vegetables, but we're going to count them as such. Um, asparagus, uh, snap peas, green beans, those kind of things. So they're all, you know, calorically similar for the most part. Um, but, uh, uh, generally a little bit more even keeled as far as, um, uh, on, on average, uh, digestibility factor for most people. They're, they're much less, um, likely to be causes of digestive sensitivity issues. Um, the next thing are other carb sources and specifically I'm looking at grains here. So, um, you know, rice bodybuilding staple, a lot of people just blow the hell up on rice, um, specifically brown rice. So going with a variety like Jasmine might be a little bit better. Some people just can't handle any variety of rice at all. And they get this just swelling, this distension in the abdomen. Um, they just blow up really on 
uncomfortable. Oats is another one, which is one of the main reasons I'm such a champion for cream of rice. Um, just because it got to the point where I got sick of recommending oats to people. Um, a lot of people recognize um, that you know they don't feel good after eating oats. I think it's because it's the start of the day. Um, often, for most people, it's the first thing, you, one of the first things you put in your stomach. And so you'll know like if you've got an adverse reaction to it. But it's not uncommon at all. So I don't typically write meal plans that feature oats. And I'll instead favor cream of rice. Um, so those are the main things that I look at. Artificial sweeteners, veggies, um, and then grains or other carb sources. If you have any kind of a gluten sensitivity um, and you're trying to incorporate some things in your flexible or macronutrient-based diet um, that contain gluten, um, you know, try pulling it out. Go gluten-free for... Um, five to seven days and see if you experience any kind of a difference there. And then the other thing would be is protein, just because protein can be difficult to digest for some people. Um, and it can be, uh, something where you know, it, it can, uh, generate some kind of an acute reaction in the stomach as well. It's going to be very, very similar to this bloating, this, this gas buildup as well. And I'm not looking at any specific sources here other than, you know, if it's a protein powder, um, very common for people to have uh, gut sensitivity reactions to a protein powder, not always just based on what sweetener is used. Oftentimes it's just, you know, is it, is it, uh, is it dairy based? Is it lactose free? Um, and you know, the, you look at protein powder ingredients, they put so much stuff in there. So it's very easy to have some kind of a sensitivity to something that's in there. Um, but also just overall protein intake is another one. If it's too high, you're, you're, you're going to have a much higher likelihood of having some kind of a digestive sensitivity to that. So, um, you know, I, I worked with a coach before who had me on close to 400 grams of protein for a while. I've never felt as bad as I did doing that. Um, it's awful. Right now, I'm sitting at 240, and, man, I feel so much more comfortable with that. Um, so weighing, weighing about 200, I'd say ratio-wise, that's a, a much more appropriate number. So um, if, you, if your protein intake is super high, uh, first of all, it doesn't need to be, and if you lower it, you'll experience a couple things. Your overall digestive system will thank you for it, as will your wallet, because protein is the most expensive macronutrient there is. So um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on very briefly here would be um, fluid retention, um, and this is typically not related to um, di digestive efficiency or anything like that, um, but a lot of people, when they when they say you know I'm bloated or whatever, they they it always comes across like I'm bloated slash retaining water. Okay, well those are two very different things. So usually, if you're retaining water, it's due to some kind of a fluid imbalance in the system, like intake versus output, or it's also hormonal. Um, like uh, if if you're on cycle, there are certain um, compounds you can take that are going to make you retain a lot of water. Not really a surprise there, and it also wouldn't be an acute thing. It would be more of a long-term thing. And then also women, um, you know, monthly cycle, we all know you're going to be retaining some water when that comes around too. So don't confuse that with bloating, something that is gut specific. If you're retaining water, it's likely going to be all over your body. So you'll notice like, you know, rings might get tight. Um, you know, every, everything just feels a little bit tight. You might find like joints are swollen a little bit, that kind of stuff. So, um, hopefully that helps a little bit. I think I covered everything that I wanted to though. So, um, ran a little bit longer than I thought I would here, which is great. I thought this was going to be really short and I wasn't gonna have much to talk about. So, I appreciate everyone for listening here. Um, keep in mind, we've got new content coming this weekend, that blog post um, coming on uh, Saturday, um, the Isopack review, and then we'll have a new one on Tuesday as well. It'll be working on here today and getting that finished up. Um, and then also my week in review, I'll be posting that to Facebook um, within the next hour or two along with uh, my tracker so you can see what I've been up to for the week. So once again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, my name is Darren Starr, signing out. Talk to you on Monday.
Monday. <laughs>